Let us worship the Lord as we sing together our opening hymn, Lovely was the night in Judea, shepherds and sheep were at rest, brightly shone the stars in Judea, all of the world seemed so blessed. Then angels broke the silence with singing. rise to sing. read together the words of Psalm 52, which is our psalm for today. (coughs) Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. The tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thy deceitful tongue. 
God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it, and I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. Ending a reading at verse 9. May the Lord bless his precious word to every heart. We're going to pray together, and as we pray, we have folks that have been very much in our minds and hearts in these days. Uh, folk, many of them have been in hospital. Think of Margaret Keary, James Wallace, Davy Davison, Derek McLaughlin, Desi Moore, and George Irwin. George has had surgery. He's taken an infection, so he may be in hospital over Christmas. But these are folks we want to pray for, especially as we come to seek the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, on this Christmas Eve day, we come to the house of God, principally to worship Thee, to meet with our God, and to have fellowship not only with those that are present, that horizontal fellowship we might call it, but fellowship with the Lord Himself. Your Word reminds us that truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so above everything else, we pray earnestly that the Lord will draw near, that He will be one of our number. In fact, that He will be central to this time of worship. And may our hearts and our minds be taken up with Christ who came into the world to save sinners. And Lord, we rejoice again at this time of the year in that wonderful truth and reality that there was a moment in time, the time that God created, that moment that the Scripture refers to as the fullness of time when God came into this world and took upon Himself a human body we think of the conception in the womb of Mary. We think of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. We think of how He lived perfectly in this earth, obeying the laws of God, keeping the commandments that we had broken, living that life of perfect obedience on our behalf. And Lord, we know that the great purpose of Him coming was to be the Savior of men, the angel announcing, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And Lord, we thank you that you went to the cross. And there at Calvary's middle tree, you offered your life, your body, your soul as a sacrifice for our sin. We thank you that you took upon your body our sins. You made them, as the hymn writer said, your very own and all that we deserved, all the wrath and the punishment for our sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, He bore it, He took it to Himself as our substitute. And Lord, in humble thanksgiving, we rejoice in this again today, and we thank You from the depths of our heart for coming into the world to be the Savior of men. 
We pray that the blessing of God will be upon this service, that you will sanctify it, that you will sanctify your people, set us apart for this time of worship, this holy time when we are to be taken up with the Lord himself. We pray that you'll speak to us, give us ears to hear, hearts to understand what the Lord is saying in every hymn that we sing, in every reading of your word. And we've already read the psalm today. You've spoken through it. When we come later again to read your word and to preach uh, the divinely uh, given word for today, Lord, speak to every heart that's here. Don't let us leave church without hearing from heaven. What a tragedy to come to church and God being here and not to meet with him and not to hear from him. Oh, Lord, make this meeting count as a, a meeting that is special to us, a meeting where God will meet with us and there will be that encounter with deity today in this service. And may every heart know that God has spoken. May we leave today saying the Lord was here and he's had a word from my heart. And bless through the afternoon and remember tonight's Christmas Eve service. We pray that you'll bless it and be with us. And then, Lord, we are conscious that there are those that cannot be here due to one reason or another, and some of them it's weakness, it's infirmity and sickness. And we pray for our congregation that you will bless those at home that can't make it to church today because of ill health. We remember the names that we've mentioned, and we commit Davy Davison into your care as he's gone back into hospital, that the Lord will strengthen him and touch him physically and raise him up for the glory of God. We think of James Wallace and all his need in and out of hospital and greatly in need of the Lord's hand to be upon him today. And we commit uh, them and their families to the Lord today. Remember our sister Margaret Carey. We pray that you'll be gracious to her and may the abiding presence of the Lord be our portion. For Derek McLaughlin too, we think of all his need in the midst of of struggling with health and disease, that you'll be gracious to him. Remember Desi as well. We pray for him, for his wife, for his family, for Ryan and Graham, and we just commit them into your care. We often think of that hymn that says, standing somewhere in the shadow will find Jesus. He's the one that cares and understands. For George Irwin too, Lord, you know the surgery that he's had and the infection that is set in. But thou art the great healer of your people. And we commit George into your care and his wife and family as well. Remember Angela and Cherith here, we commit them to thee. We pray the blessing of God will be upon each of those that are struggling today with health. We thank you that all things work together for good to them that love God. And nothing happens to us by chance in this world. Help us to prove the truth of Romans 8 and 28 every day of our lives whatever we pass through, and bless our congregation at this Christmas time and our families. Lord, we know that for many it's a happy, happy time, but for others it is tainted with sadness for many reasons. And so we just commend our congregation to the Lord as we hand ourselves over to him now in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Number 76, Hark the Herald Angels sing glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy, my God and sinners reconciled. <clears throat>
coming again soon. We have done this over the past number of Sunday mornings for the children, and we have children sitting on both sides of the church. We need someone to see who the first hand is on this side. 
Jonathan looks like a very uh, honest man, so he can, he can decide who it is that'll answer. And Anastasia, would you do runner? This one. Okay. And over on this side. Josh and Carrie, we are so delighted to have you back again. Mr. and Mrs. Park, the new Mr. and Mrs. Park. And Joshua, you can look for the first hand, and Carrie, you can be the runner. All right, very good idea. So you, you come on up, and you don't literally have to run, run, run. Do you want to look for the first hand, and Joshua be the runner? Okay. I was getting, getting this here. I, I, I don't know what that meant. Thank you very much. Nastia. Joshua. Okay, if you're at the early morning prayer meeting, you'll have no problem getting the answer to the next question or two. What do you call the old man in the temple who saw the infant Christ? You need to stand up, Gary, you know. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be embarrassed. Simeon is the answer, okay. What do you call the, the old woman? <clears throat> Pardon me, the old woman. All right. I said this morning, we have one by that name, but she's much, much younger than the one in the Bible. Anna, okay. Who came from the east to worship Jesus? when he was about two years of age. This church is filled with them. The wise man. <coughs> where did they come to at the start? At the very start, where did they go? It was the wrong place. Make sure you put your hand up high. It came from the east. What had, this is for someone young, what had they seen in the sky? star is the answer. Who wasn't happy about this? There was a king wasn't happy. And the answer, of course, is Herod. What did Herod ask them to do? One of the wise men to do something. And if you get something like search diligently and let them know where they were or something like that, you know, well. What did the wise men do when they saw 
the young child Jesus. This is before they gave anything. What did they do? fell down and worshipped. What gifts did they present? We need all three. What gifts did they present to the Savior? Did you get it here? And here? Gold, frankincense, and there. Now, I want to hear this answer. I want to be sure. How many wise men were there? <clears throat> How many wise men were there? Be, be very careful about your answer. The answer is we don't know. Okay, is that what you got? And the final, <clears throat> final question, what did Herod do when he didn't find Jesus? He did something terrible. What did he do? Okay, that's, that's it. Thank you very much, Nastia. Thank you, Joshua. Would you like one? There you go. What children do we have here who are seven and under? Put your hand up. Who's, who's seven and under? few over here, here. All right. I want to thank the one who is responsible for providing this flower arrangement today. All right. And for you small children, I'm told that Rudolph is in there somewhere. <laughs> so someone who finds Rudolph gets a prize, and Annette's going to sort that out. All right. She's got the keys of a Mercedes sitting out there, so. <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking it might be best to limit it to the smaller children who might need a little bit of supervision. You know, I'm just picturing them standing up here and then falling into the middle of this flower arrangement. So that's my message for the children. Okay. Can I welcome everyone to God's house today? And we do that sincerely in the Savior's name. If you're visiting with us, and we do have some visitors here today, we have visitors from Scotland, and I want to welcome them very especially. They are here staying with Matt and Isabel, and it's Isabel's mother and sister. Pardon? Oh, sister. I thought that's what it was, you know, but... <laughs> There you go. I have to speak to the person that sent me the text. <laughs> so, 
we want to welcome you all the way from Bonny, Scotland. And uh, she listens into the services here on the Lord's Day. And if you want to stand up just so that we see you, and we'll give you a welcome from Scotland. And the Lord bless you. Yeah. And Chris and Sarah, where are they sitting? Chris and Sarah McLean, they're over from the same country, although they're originally. It's lovely to have you in the house of God today, and you're always welcome. Uh, may the Lord bless you as you get a wee break and spend time with family. Remember Florentina also, she will be traveling home on Saturday. Uh, there's a pastor and his family coming to uh, visit with us from Wednesday until Saturday, and they will be responsible to get Florentina home to Romania safely. Um, we're very glad to have Henry. Hasn't been with us for a little while, and it's lovely just to see him in God's house today. And when you put that all together, we have Ukrainians, we have a Romanian, we have Spanish, we have Scottish, and uh, if we include the ones that we've had for a long time from England, it's, it's quite a cosmopolitan um, congregation today. Brian Caldwell, I'm told, has a significant birthday, and that significant birthday is going to be on the 27th of December. Not going to tell you the exact age, but he's half an octogenarian, okay? You can work that out, all you mathematicians, and we trust that the Lord will bless him. Now, tonight is our Christmas Eve service, and that's going to be at the earlier time. Please note 6 o'clock, and the prayer meeting, therefore, will be before that at 5.30. Um, don't come at 7. You'll be coming in for the, the last hymn and the benediction. Members of the church will take part tonight as well, reading the Word and singing. Refreshments will be served. <coughs> and ladies have been asked to bring the mince pies and the shortbread for those that are able to stay. Thursday night, the midweek service will take place at 8 o'clock, and this is the last Thursday of the month. It's the last Thursday of the year, but that being the case, we always pray for our missionaries and for revival on the last Thursday. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock. Please note there's no Sunday school or Bible class next Lord's Day. <coughs> because of the holidays, the worship service will take place as usual at 12 noon. And then, as you know, it's the 31st next Lord's Day. So our evening service is going to be at the later time. We do this usually when we have our watch night service. So 9 o'clock is our New Year's Eve service. Refreshments will be served around 10 o'clock. And then the watch night service that will bring us into the new year in the will of God is at 11 p.m. Everyone is welcome. Refreshments will be served at the 10 o'clock time. Ladies, I've been asked if you bring your usual, not scones, pancakes, buns, etc., whatever you bring in. Want to make this appeal again. Any of our members um, feel exercised this way to help with sunbeams, there's a great need in the new term. 20 kids will be there, and we need some extra help coming in. If you feel that you're able to help, this is something that you could do for the Lord, then see our sister Julie. Just to remind you, envelopes for next year are available, and that's including the missionary 
uh, covenant envelopes that you receive, and they're out there in the foyer of the church. Now, also, Noreen, and Noreen has responsibilities at home and is not able to make it out to too many of the services, but um, she has Christmas cards and thank you letters for, for, for her supporters. They're available. Please check the table on the left-hand side, uh, the little table that's there as you leave. We would also like to congratulate William and Diane McLean on becoming grandparents. This is always a big event in any family. And Jacob Asher William was born on Tuesday to Mark and Jill. And we just rejoice in the goodness of God to this family and with William and Diane as they become grandparents. We'd also like to congratulate Sarah Johnson who has one of the significant birthdays. She'll be 18 on Christmas Day, 18 tomorrow. Going to be an adult, Sarah. And as we say to our young people, what responsibility now you have. And uh, you'll grow up all of a sudden and things will change in the home and you'll start doing the cooking and the washing and all that kind of thing. But anyhow, congratulations from the church. And uh, Christmas Day, having your birthday on Christmas Day, very significant. Sam Wilson has a birthday on Christmas Day as well. And uh, he's not 18, uh, as, as we know, but trust the Lord will bless Sam also. Just leaves for me to say again that from the congregation here on behalf of our own session and committee on behalf of my family, we trust that the congregation, uh, those that are here with us every week and those that listen in on the internet have a blessed Christmas and a happy new year, of course. It goes without saying. And our Ukrainians have been with us almost two years, not quite, but we trust the Lord will bless you also at this Christmas time and that the presence of God will be known in each of your homes and that this will be a special time as you spend a second Christmas here in Northern Ireland. And of course, for our twins, it's the first Christmas in Northern Ireland for them. Lord bless you. Continue to pray for the sick. We've mentioned some of the names today, but these others need our prayers also. And remember the lands that are at war. We don't put this up just for the sake of it. We want you to pray for Ukraine. We want you to pray for Israel, that the Lord will bring peace to these countries. Thank you for praying for the school's event on Thursday morning when the model primary school came in and they had their final assembly with us here. We appreciate those who came to help just to make sure the children got seated and, and the stewarding. Thank you in the Savior's name and for the teachers that came to look after the children and for Christina who brought the word of the Lord. It was a very good morning and the presence of the Lord was known and the children heard the gospel. I want you to remember these families in near Alesht. Uh, this is Pastor Sabine. You have met him. He came and stayed with us a few years ago here in Balamoney. And uh, some finance was sent out to help with the poor children that his church works with. And we're so glad to see the families benefiting and getting something little uh, for this Christmas time. We bring our tithes and offerings now to the Lord as we worship him in our giving. And it's home mission outreach envelopes also today. And as we do so, we sing the hymn 78, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Remaining seated, please, as we...
have the offering. Come again to Luke chapter 2, and we're reading some of these verses later in the chapter from verse 40 through to verse 52. It's the last part of the chapter from verse 40 through to the end. <coughs> and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, 
they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How was it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We're dealing with the, the family of Jesus, and this is the third part of the message. And we come to Jesus himself, who is the son of this family. And if I was to just set one verse before you as a key text, and there's other things that we will say, it would be the words of verse 40. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. With that before us, let's pray. Lord, we seek for instruction. We come to your word that we know is spiritually understood. We need the Holy Spirit. And we see how much the Spirit of God features in this book, and not least around the time when Christ came into the world. And as we thought this morning of Simeon coming to the temple, the house of God in his day, directed by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, that's how we wanted to be for us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon this congregation and upon the minister now, and help me to speak well for your glory and for your honor. Amen. We have noted over the past few weeks the kind of parents that the Lord Jesus Christ had, the, the character of those who brought him up in this world, and the kind of influence that would have had upon any child in that kind of family. Never forget that Jesus was God in human flesh when he was here upon the earth. He was God as he grew up in this world. But never forget his humanity and how that in all things he is our example, including what he was like as a child. And we have little information about that, but there are things to say that are important. Children and young people, you ought to be like the Lord. 
even in his youth. He stood in our place. He became our example. There is no doubt that much that is, there's much that is deeply mysterious in the person of our Savior, including his childhood and his upbringing. We know very little about the childhood of our dear Savior, but we do know what God wants us to know, and there's nothing that has been held back. God has given to us a small account of what it was for Jesus as a child. The Lord grew up like you and me in His humanity. He knew our weakness, and He felt our pain. He faced all that we face in this world. He did not begin His earthly ministry, we know, until He was 30 years of age, but He grew up in obscurity, unrecognized by the world. He did no outward miracle until he began his ministry, the evidence of his deity was not displayed until then. Bishop Jesse Ryle, commenting on this, he said, in what manner and measure and in what proportion of the early part of his life that divine knowledge which he doubtless possessed was exercised, we cannot possibly explain. It is a high thing we cannot attain unto it. One thing, however, is perfectly clear, and we shall do well to lay firm hold upon it. Our Lord partook of everything that belongs to man's nature, sin only excepted. As man, he was born an infant. As man, he grew from infancy to boyhood. As man, he yearly increased in bodily strength and mental power during the passage from boyhood to full age. Of all the sinless conditions of man's body, its first feebleness, its aftergrowth, its regular progress to maturity, he was in the fullest sense a partaker. We must rest satisfied with knowing this. To pry beyond is useless. To know this clearly is of much importance. A want of settled knowledge of it has led to many wild heresies. What details are given to us about the childhood of Christ, about Jesus growing up in Nazareth as a child in his family, are really here in the second chapter of Luke's gospel, and especially the verse that I've set before you here in verse 40. And so there's a message, I believe, with all my heart for families that are gathered here. There is a special message for children, young children, older children, teenage children, whoever you might be, our young people of this church. And there's a, a message for children's workers and all who have an interest and a love in the children of today. You know, sometimes we don't give children, especially teenagers, enough credit. I want you to know that children can grow in grace. They can walk with God, those who have come to know Him. They can serve Christ with gladness. They can be involved in God's work. And in this church, we try to foster that among our young people, and we encourage them to 
to get involved. It might be outreach work. It might be youth challenge on a Tuesday night or in the summertime. It might be going on a vocational Bible school to some other country doing a little bit of missionary service. But we want our young people to get involved in the Lord's work. However, sometimes their potential is not harnessed the way that it ought to be. And maybe they're not given, given the opportunity until they are older to really serve the Lord. But spiritual training, and I want you to know this, for Jewish children began at a very young age and was very intense because they were given great responsibility even from their youth. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about how as a child, even from his infancy, Timothy had been instructed in God's Word by his mother. Can't you just picture that in your mind? Timothy sitting upon his mother's knee, the Scriptures being read to this young man as he's bounced on his mother's knee, just like it ought to be in our homes. Rabbi Judah ben Tima said that Jewish boys should learn the Scriptures at age five. The Mishnah, or the Jewish law, at age 10, and learn to fulfill all the law by age 13, and then they should learn the Talmud, the Jewish uh, commentaries on the Old Testament, at age 15. Mothers, Jewish mothers, were directly responsible for the early years of development in their children. 85% of a child's character is developed in the first five years of life. And so there's no better way to start them than to start them in the Bible, teaching them the Word of God. But Dad would get involved too. And though he had a job, as his children got older, he would teach them the Bible and apply the Scriptures to real situations of life. That would be a priority in a Jewish home. And this is what they were commanded to do. You remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 11, similar words there and other passages too, where they were to train up their children. They were to talk to them in their homes. They were, when they rose up, when they went to bed, when they walked by the way, all those opportunities, they were to teach the children the law and the word of Almighty God. In fact, the worth of a Jewish father was measured by how he raised his children in the things of God. So never underestimate the spiritual abilities of a child. In many cases, like our Lord himself, they have a sensitivity to spiritual things. Children are not too young to train. Indeed, we must train them from their earliest days. I think that we learn a lot from the limited information that is given to us about the childhood of Jesus. And I want you to mark them with me, please, very carefully, and seek by the grace of God to apply them to your heart. And so we're asking you, especially our young people that are here, to sit up and listen. See what we have in the life of Christ. As a child, your representative, what the Lord was in boyhood, what the Lord was as a young man, this is what you ought to emulate. Now, the first thing, very obviously, he grew. 
This is what we're told in verse 40. Jesus grew up through infancy and childhood as other children did, yet without sin. He developed as other children do. He grew physically. He grew intellectually. And he grew spiritually. It is the desire of every parent that our children grow up in, in every way in the life, in life, in the journey of life. We want them to grow physically, don't we? We want them to grow and become strong and healthy. And we see to it to the best of our ability that that happens. We desire their, their intellectual or their educational development too. We, we do our best for them. We encourage them to study. We encourage them to go to school and to do their best academically. And certainly as Christian parents, we long, long most of all for their spiritual growth. In the case of our children, unlike the Lord Jesus Christ, we want them to be soundly saved first and foremost. That's where it starts where they have an encounter with Christ, where they come to know the Lord, really know Him. Jesus Christ was God. Jesus Christ was perfect. He didn't need to be saved. But as we think of, of growth, and we think of spiritual growth in our children, it begins when they come to know the Lord as their Savior. And then they grow in the knowledge of God. What profit is there if our children grow in every other way? Physically intellectually, academically, whatever it might be, but they fail to grow in the Lord. And they fail to walk with God. And I know it pains the hearts of Christian parents when they watch their children drift away from the things of the Lord and in some cases go out into the world. How many tears are shed, how much heartbreak is felt when that happens. We must see to it that we do everything under God to see our children grow and develop. We are concerned about their physical health. We want to protect them from harm and danger and disease and sickness and injury, and rightly so, but we must go the second mile when it comes to their spiritual well-being. And that must be our number one priority. Not their physical being, not their educational welfare, but their spiritual and their eternal welfare. Isn't that what the Bible commands us to do? To train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, older, mature, he'll not depart from it. We've mentioned Deuteronomy 6 and also chapter 11. The instruction there about how it ought to be in homes that fear the Lord. God has given the means of grace for the spiritual growth of our children. The Bible, one of the chief means of grace. And we ought to be teaching God's Word to our children in the home. And we ought to be encouraging those who are able to read for themselves to take God's Word and to read it every day. This is the means that God has given. I want you to see that. And together with the reading of the Bible, of course, we have prayer. It's for the strengthening of those who know the Lord. And this is fellowship with God. We read the Word. He speaks to us. We pray to Him. That's us talking to the Lord. We have fellowship, the one with the other. 
And then we think of the administration of God's Word in, in His house, how important it is to be in God's house faithfully, for children to be sitting in God's house, listening to God's Word. I'm telling you, this is what God has given. And it's, if it's neglected, if the Word of God is not read, if prayer is not offered, if our young people are not sitting in church on the Sabbath day and these means that God has given are neglected, it's no wonder that they begin to drift away from the Lord. So God has given the means whereby our children can grow, really grow. Jesus grew. He grew every way. He certainly grew spiritually. And we want that for our children too. But notice also that he waxed strong in spirit. That's the next little part of the text here. Our blessed Lord, even in childhood days, was strong in spirit. And that simply means that he was strong spiritually. I say to our children, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Learn to grow in grace. First, make sure that you are in a state of grace, that you're soundly converted. Do not rest upon some little profession that that you made as a child, that perhaps nothing was there at all. But make sure that you're in Christ. Make sure that you're united to Him forever. Make sure that that grace has triumphed in you, wherein your sin has been dealt with and put away forever. And Christ has become your Savior. You must come to the Lord in salvation. You ought to be strong thereafter. As parents and leaders... Let us do everything that we can to encourage our children to be strong. You know, some of the greatest men of God were converted when they were young children, and they really grew, and they really waxed strong in spirit in their childhood. And, and many of them became champions of divine truth, mighty men of God. But it all began in childhood. Polycarp the early church martyr. He came to Christ at the age of nine. What a mighty man of God he became. Jonathan Edwards, whose preaching stirred New England, came to Christ when he was just seven years of age. Count Zinzendorf, who started a missionary movement, signed a covenant at the age of four, which read, Dear Savior, do thou be mine, and I will be thine. And he stuck with it in his childhood. He turned out to be a mighty man of God and turned upside down that little part of the world where he lived. Isaac Watts came to Christ at the age of nine. The great C.H. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, became a Christian at the age of 12 and began preaching when he was 17. He used to, to preach a lot on children coming to faith in Christ. And he would say, before a child reaches seven, teach them all there is of heaven, and better still, their work will fly if he learns before he's five. He believed in child evangelism, and the children can be used by God in great ways. Our children can be saved, and our children can walk a spiritual life, and they can be strong in spirit. 
And I, I'm asking now, even the older generation, will you pray about that? Will you pray to this end for our children living in this wicked world in which we live with all the temptations of the evil ones surrounding them? Pray that our children will be saved. Pray that they will grow. Pray that they will be strong in spirit. And then not only pray, but labor all you can to make sure it happens. The third little thing that's mentioned is that Christ was filled with wisdom. Youthful days are often days of immaturity and even foolishness, for the Scripture talks about foolishness being bound in the heart of a child. But Jesus was a wise young boy growing up. This was principally by the operation of the Holy Ghost in his life. And you know, this is amazing. Indeed, it must have been viewed as a most amazing thing by those that watched on. Can you imagine living in in that period of time and and watching the Lord Jesus growing up as a boy there in Nazareth, his neighbors looking on, his school teachers looking on, family members? Undoubtedly, he was a unique child. He was a wise young man growing up. He knew how to conduct himself with wisdom in his family, in the church community, and in the wider community. Think about it. Everything he said was said wisely. Everything he did was done wisely. And this must have made him stand out as a wonderful child. Now, most children, we know as parents and as grandparents, can be foolish and silly at times. But we pray that wisdom might be granted, especially to our children who know the Lord. Our children need wisdom. They need wisdom in making decisions in life. They need wisdom in their relationships with other family members, how they are to conduct themselves as a young Christian towards their mother, their father, their siblings. They need wisdom in that. They need wisdom in choosing their friends because their friends will either encourage them and help them to go on with God, or their friends, as we know, will drag them down and take them away from God and His truth. They need wisdom in how to speak to all people around them. They need wisdom regarding the pitfalls to avoid, and there are many, oh, many temptations in the subtlety of the devil that he will set before them to take them away from the Lord, and our children need wisdom to avoid those pitfalls. And they need wisdom in in pursuing their education and later on in life, their employment. They need wisdom in church involvement to try and understand what God requires from them as part of the body of Christ. Jesus was filled with wisdom. Young people, don't you want to be like Jesus? Well, then you pray, oh God, give me wisdom even as a child that I might conduct myself in the way that pleases God. And then the grace of God was upon him. As ordinary children grow up, they manifest the seeds of of corruption and sin. But the grace of God was seen in the life of the child Jesus who knew no sin. The goodness and the favor of God was evident in his life even as a child. To satisfy their curiosity, men wrote their own 
so-called infancy gospels. In other words, they, they wrote stupid things, and they called them the infancy gospels of Christ. This is what Jesus was. This is what Jesus did when he was a child. And they contain uh, spectacular and silly miracles, like Jesus talking from the manger. He was able to talk as a baby. Hearing or healing a man. Healing a man made into a mule by a spell. Bringing clay birds to life with the clapping of his hands. Healing people with, with sprinkling them with old bath water and so forth. This is what people actually taught. Absolute nonsense. Someone has rightly said, where the Scripture hath no tongue, we must have no ears. Such legends of bizarre miracles connected to the childhood of Jesus are nothing more than superstitious tales. But this we know, and we know for sure, the grace of God was upon him. And I say, children and young people, you strive to be like him. Come to know the saving grace of God and then walk in the keeping grace of the Almighty. Can I just mention one other, one other thing? And we'll finish and maybe come back to this next Lord's Day again. Look at verses 41 and 42. He attended the means of grace, went to the house of God. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. This is so important to point this out. You will know about the worship of God in Jewish times in the local synagogue. So there was a local synagogue in Nazareth and the Lord Jesus Christ and his family, we know this, as conscientious parents brought him there. He worshiped the Lord. He, he came to the house of God. He was faithful in his attendance at the house of God. No doubt he was brought there every single Sabbath day. But there were Jewish feasts. And this one in particular, the Passover feast. It necessitated Jewish people making the journey to the city of Jerusalem. Attendance at such major feasts was commanded by the Lord. Think of Exodus 23, verse 17, Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. Those who were faithful to the Lord were obedient to the Lord. It was customary for godly Jewish families to travel to Jerusalem, and they often did this in large groups. The family of Jesus were conscientious worshipers of God, and they saw to it that everything was done according to God's law and commandment. And so they traveled to Jerusalem, despite the distance, and it was a distance. And Jesus is brought. The young boy is brought. And parents, we want to learn from this. We want to understand our solemn responsibilities before God. If we're going to be anything like the family of Christ, a great example to us all, Understand your responsibility, but also your God-given obligation to your children. You need to know what God requires of you. Isn't that what we read in Deuteronomy 6 and also chapter 11? 
where the parents were told, you take heed yourself. You make sure you obey the Lord. And then they're told what their responsibilities were to their children. So we need to see to ourselves that we're walking with God and obeying the Lord. We need to be that example to start off with. But then we need to make sure that we're following our God-given obligations to our children, to train them, to direct them, to bring them, bring them to the house of God. I love to see families sitting together in the corporate worship of God, and that's how it ought to be. Will you learn from Jesus today, young people? Will you learn from what we read here in the Word of God, how he grew, how he waxed strong in spirit, was filled with wisdom, how the grace of God was upon him, and how he went up with his parents for the worship of God. Certainly went every week to the synagogue, but here in these feasts that were commanded for families to attend, Jesus was there. I think there's so much here. And at this time of the year when we, we can come to a passage like this, we can learn, learn from the Lord. On this Christmas Eve day, take it home in your heart and pray that God will apply it to your mind and your soul. Let us bow together in prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you for the example of Christ. We think of the son of this family, and we think of how he grew up. And he is our example. We're told that we're to walk in his steps. And in this brief glimpse that we have of the childhood of Jesus, and what is said, there's so much to learn. We know that. Oh, make our children like the Lord. May they be fashioned like unto him. We know that Jesus died that we might be conformed to his image. And so we pray that even those beautiful spiritual characteristics that were found in the Lord when he was a child on earth might be found in our young people today. Lord, we love them. You know that. And this church loves our children. And Lord, we're so grateful that there's one that loves them even more. And that's God himself. Lord, we hand our children afresh to the Lord even on this Christmas Eve, as we draw near to the end of another year, we just hand them over to thee and we pray for the very best for our children, that they will be soundly saved and that they will walk in a way that pleases Almighty God for Jesus' sake. Amen. The hymn 406, more about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to rather show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. We'll sing the first two verses.
Lord, we make this our prayer in conclusion. We want to know more about the Lord so that we can be like him. And we pray that the graces of Christ and the virtues that were found in him might also be found in us, the younger generation and the older generation and all in between. More about Jesus would I know. May it be so. And may the great truths of Christ make an impression upon us. Dismiss us now in your love. Take us to our homes in safety. Bless us through the afternoon. And our little meeting tonight, Lord, be there working in our hearts again. May God be glorified for Jesus' sake. Amen.